let's see. There we go. I started the recording. All right, cool. All right. Very cool. Uh, so chapter six, that's, that's when you introduce your bad guy, right? Yeah, Fish. Yeah. Albert J. Fish. Now, uh, the first thing I want to ask is why do you, why is it that in almost every instance in which he's referenced, it's his entire name? He gets called Mr. Fish or just plain fish a lot. Like, I think yeah, but I, his, I've and, noticed how many times there was a, a lot of instances in which his entire name is Albert called. J. Fish. Jefferson. It, like, it even, it does the whole thing. It says Jefferson on one? Yeah. I didn't even remember I made his middle name Jefferson. Um, usually, whenever it would use his whole name, it was at a moment where he was either trying to portray himself or in the scene was portrayed as someone of importance. Like he views himself as probably the most important man in the world. Like he views himself as the bridge into the future that is going to remake man in his image. Like he's got a God god complex so albert j fish when he's talking about himself or or when it's in a situation where he's portraying something it's just it's just a way of saying so important i have yeah. to put the whole name out there mm. like you're yeah. you're lucky he doesn't get like an esquire or senior or some crap like that in it <laughs> like like people don't people don't say you know uh people don't say bobby they say robert downey jr <laughs> right Exactly. Yeah, exactly. even though all of his family calls him Bobby. Yeah, when, whenever he makes it into the news, you mm -hmm. say the whole name because mm -hmm. it, it, it's sort of, you know, I don't know, almost a, with his, in his case, it's almost a worshipy thing or, or just like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mix. There's mm -hmm. the people who are like sycophantic about it. They're like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. He's so amazing. I got to say his whole name, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And then, and then there's just the fact that if you just put Robert, no one's going to know who the hell you're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you so, put Robert Downey, suddenly it's his dad. Yeah. So you got to put Robert Downey Jr. every time. But that's a good point. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, or, or take anybody. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lawrence. Like no one's like, man... Have you heard about Jen? Yeah. <laughs> Jen, yeah. Jen who? <laughs> Which one? I know like right. eight. So his, his saying of his full name and use of his full name is towards the other side, the, the overly important stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, like I said the other day, um, the way that you portrayed him, you, you, you said, you, you said it was a completely different person, but I, I put, I had put Elon Soros. Yeah, Elon yeah. Soros. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who who is it? Walter. Uh, uh, it's it's no one in particular. It's it's an amalgam of a lot of different people. But when I was describing him, I I used um, God I can't remember the name Warren Buffett a generalized a generalization of Warren Buffett because um, everyone thinks he's this great guy in fact mm -hmm. it's 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 very pointed you know near the end of the book where uh, Ahmed says well of course he's a charlatan you know but everybody else 
believed that he was this great guy the mm -hmm. whole time. So, uh, well, and the, the thing you, you said, you said people tend to read and then when they get to chapter 10, they can't put it down or that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, personally, I got a lot more interest out of the, this is weird. They got, I got a lot more interest out of the book after I read chapter six because it put a face to the evil and, and something obvious to go after because it's it's nebulous it, it's a, it's it's an yeah it's an issue like I had said the other day like trying to write a different book entirely mm -hmm. I've been trying to get my grip on writing the bad guy and I still haven't fully figured out how to do that. And so when chapter six gives a face to the evil, um, I was like, okay, now I know, now I know what they, now I know what they're really fighting. Right. Cause, uh, what's beforehand it was like, a, like, uh, bad programming. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Bad programming, the faceless swiper, like, yeah just sort of the faceless, um, what would you use? It's, it's sort of like the systemic problem, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't really point to anything in particular. It's like the system itself is somehow messed up. But then, um, let's see, I'm, I'm opening it up so I can remember what chapter six was specifically. Let's see, chapter six was qualified. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, this is when you actually meet him for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he's he's sitting in his desk with the, the wall of touch screens that wrap around him. Like I felt the, the wall of touch screens that, that wrapped to his will was like very metaphoric of his control. He, he can literally reach out and touch someone. Yeah, oh yeah especially yeah. later on when it like manifests where, where he, he brings her in and he mm -hmm. shows her his wall of touch screens and like all this information. Yeah. Yeah. The, so with the, with your structure, it's like uh, chapter one through five were, were basically here's all of the information you need to know for the rest of this yeah. book to make sense. Six gave you the face it's like okay, here's the, face the of evil. here's the face of evil. Seven and nine were a bit of a bridge. It's like okay, here's here I'm connecting the face of evil to what's going to happen here, and mm. that is when you get into ten. And uh, let's see, what did I put there? Uh, oh, I, I had a note on on the way that he thought about himself. He says he, he thinks words are baseless, and he, he thinks he's not a sociopath because it doesn't fit the, sta the established definition. It's exactly. Like, <laughs> he, he's he you is, can't do both. He's the paradox of of the way uh, there's like this huge undercurrent that irritates the hell out of me, and it and it's prevalent. Um, like in among the universities where they're like, you have the moral relativism, 
but then at the same time you have uh you know it's just they they can't they want it both like they want to mm -hmm. say this is how it is but then they'll they'll flip it and, and say but it's not like that when you do it you know it's like the the, the definitions change so fast and he literally changes it right there he's like ah words are nonsense now here's my definition you know it's like yeah yeah and, and it, i make it, a specific reference to the french philosophers i think i just throw it out there arbitrarily because he mm -hmm. says you know the french french philosophers were right and then i go into the you know how language nests on language nests on languages it's rooted in nothing and therefore it's nothing but a subjective you know it's bullcrap here's my definition <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's, it's that that was what uh peterson said um when when see he said People don't like it when I call them postmodern neo-Marxists. It's like, they can't be both. It's like, yeah, but they don't know that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, they're, it's like that, that kind of puts the argument to rest. It's like, okay, it isn't that, it isn't that they can't do that. It's See, that they don't know that they can't do that. There, there's, there's a problem with postmodernism in mm -hmm. general. Now you could, you could read, postmodernists and you can you know come to different conclusions and a lot of them postmodernism since seems to be a codification of thinking outside of the box which is ironic because codifying something is, is boxing it so it's like like it's within itself it's a performative contradiction you know it's like you it's writing a book that says there's there's no truth and they were but they want to say that their book is the truth and it's like it's like you you can't me mesh those together well so in and of itself it's contradictory and which is fine because humans are contradictory creatures um so that's not necessarily the problem and and it's if you're self-aware about it when you when you're going through that stuff it's not a big issue the problem i have with uh with it is you have like the sycophantic underclass that, mm -hmm. that use it as this weird tool to get what they want, but don't actually mm -hmm. seem to understand it in any way. It would be like, like I've, I've you know, religion in general, because it kind of falls into the weird religious archety uh, archetypes. But like when I was growing up, like I would know, you know, Christians mm -hmm. and, and I would talk to them because I used to be, you know, like militant atheist type. And they would say stuff and I would like know that they're wrong and I'd know that they're taking it out of context and it was irritating to me. And, and they would use it to tell me that I was wrong about something and that I should do something else and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, I've read more about your book than you have. And, and it, would, it would frustrate me. And that's kind of how dealing with a lot of the postmodernists, like, you know, I'll run up against them on Twitter. It's sort of like the same thing. They'll like tell me this stuff and I'm like, look, I've read more of your books than you have. You're an idiot, stop it, you know? So, well, it's it's the that's the amazing battle that goes on with with you know folks arguing for and against Christianity is that a lot of the arguments against Christianity are Christian arguments. <laughs> it's just like what these people are trying to trying to use the same models against Christianity. Well, that, that's the thing. It's, it's inescapable. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was like listening to John Bravaki, something or other, or it could have been Jonathan Peugeot, to be honest, because it's, it's talking about, you know, the grammatical structure 
of of how we interact with the world you mm -hmm. know is is fundamentally inescapably religious because a lot of it stems from religion as a belief system and a, and a belief system is things that you haven't been able to disprove yet but you don't have enough information to prove them so you believe them right mm -hmm. and that and it's so it's it's sort of like the predicate to the scientific method where the scientific method is when functioning as intended because because there's people who take stuff on well see now i'm getting off on this whole side tangent again but the way you you, you come up with a hypothesis and you try to disprove it and if you can't disprove mm -hmm. it you send it to your peers and they try to disprove it and then if no one else could disprove it it's true enough you know what i mean so it's a belief system yeah it's a belief yeah. system. It, but the, then they end up codifying it, and true enough isn't good enough. And it becomes, it becomes objective truth, and then you get into scientism, where it's the yeah. worship of science. And it's, it gets in, which, once again, religion, boom, you're right back to it every time. Yeah. So, but. All but. right, so the, the chapter 10, so this is the, this is, we were talking about hooks a while back. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to figure out if if it's a, if chapter ten is a question hook or an interest hook. And um, and ten is ingenuity, right? Ten is. And that's where they inject Jack with stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 that one. Um, it's, I called it an interest hook because it's not making you ask the question. It's making you want, it, it's making Wonder you want. Wonder what's next. Want, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a specific question. It's what's next. If it's, yeah. there's a specific question, that's a question. If it's interest, it's what's next. So, um, but I had put, Casey was invited into the building that was being raided and an un, unidentified swiper was randomly killed at the end of chapter 10. And the reader is led to think Casey was killed. Gotcha. Because it's just like, wait, who who was that? So and and Casey yeah. was invited in. It's like, wait, who did they just kill Casey? What's going on? <laughs> it, it, and it was very vague and the only real description of the the person, the swiper, was that they had a white lab coat on. But then later on, Mario had a white lab coat on. So yeah. there's there's no definitive. It's like you can pick up a lab coat and put it on. So yeah, it was yeah. a lot of ambiguation. The uh, and the next chapter is is with Casey, and so you're reading it like, okay, when is she gonna get into a fight and and, and die and get and get shot? And it's just like it doesn't happen. You're like, then who was that? <laughs> like, what's going on? Well, it's like the. The, the three, four, five chapter transition where mm -hmm. they're fighting Casey and then Casey kills a bunch of people and then they go through their scene and then Casey kills a bunch of people. You know, it's like, because mm -hmm. it's showing the different perspectives. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Yeah, and so after that, it was uh, chapter 11. Uh, yeah, it was built to make the reader wonder what happened to, to Casey. Now, I don't know if you did that intentionally or that was just what happened. I think that, was that um, just what happened? I would have to say that's just what happened because 
the way I write is so weird. Like there's zero, yeah. zero planning whatsoever. Um, I think there's, it's in. You're, you're, it, we're very similar. You're, you're a pants writer. Pants? Right by the seat of your, of your Oh pants. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, there's, there's planners and then there's pantsers and you write by the seat of your pants. The, I've heard it described as the architect and the gardener. Yeah. The architect plans it and the gardener plants a seed and, and, and lets it grow. Yeah. And uh, I tend the, to- the thing, the thing that with that though is that it, an, an architect can usually get the characters uh, more fleshed out, mm-hmm. whereas, a, whereas a gardener has to, has to get the entire thing grown and then start trimming. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah definitely um so sometimes character suffers in in gardening and and uh sometimes well so and the some character. but the an over an overarching story can usually be better if it's built but i don't know it's it's it it depends on on what i would say is it depends more on the editing than the writing yeah what what bothers me about architectural writing styles is a lot of times you you can't discover things that way you know what i mean mm-hmm. like let's say let's say you sit down like i'm gonna write a suspense thriller novel and you know there's going to be the curtain and then you know there's the first reveal and then i'm going to have a twist and then i'm going to have this and i'm going to have this and then here's the conclusion so it's like predetermined like you didn't ask yourself a question, you didn't, you weren't surprised anywhere. You're the writer, you know. And uh, it's kind of like that quote that I shared with you, I guess, like last week or so, where it said, um, I, "I can't remember the the way it went, but it basically said the only way that you can elicit surprise from your reader is if oh, you were no, surprised." No surprise in the writer. writer. No surprise in the reader. Yeah, no tears right. on the writer, no, no tears, tears on the, the reader. reader. Yeah. Right. So so I don't think that you can really get that mm. as an architect. Now, it's it's just my theory. I don't know because I can't architect. <laughs> but when I Well, I think I think you I think you can, but I think it it would end up feeling what is it? Um formulaic? Yes. Formu- that's yeah. that's the problem I always have with architectural writing is that it becomes formulaic. Like you could mm-hmm. spot a, a, an architectural writer because they usually have 50 books that they've written and they're like, Bob goes on adventure. John goes on similar adventure. Andy mm-hmm. goes on an adventure that seems quite like adventure one, but it's in the future. You know, it's like, <laughs> like it, it becomes formulaic and, and you're or- just... Or the lady that writes a million romance novels. Yes, and it's just like, exactly. This is the same book over and over and over again with different characters. Exactly. And, and it's like, I think it was Shakespeare that said there's only something like 21 or 30. I forget the number, but there's only so many plot lines. There's this mm-hmm. many plot lines. You know what I mean? So it's like plot line is, I think an architect sits down with a plot line Mm-hmm. And I think a, uh, the the gardener starts writing, and then they're like, "Oh, this plot line manifests organically." You know what I mean? 
and I, and the two approaches. Hold on, hold on, I just got a visual. An architect <laughs> sits down with a plot line and a gardener sits over a plot. Yeah, all the metaphor. <laughs> What's the plot manifesting organically. I mean, it's just layered, layered, and layered, and layered because, yeah. you know, it, it goes back to the idea of, you know, the meaning of words. It's like we speak metaphorically no matter what. Like, mm -hmm. how does something manifest organically from a seat? You know, it's like all these things, you know, fall back on each other. And uh, the, the, the formulaic model, um, it, it's, I, there's a formula that in a formula you can have archetypes mm -hmm. and you'll usually use that. But in, in storytelling, it's usually called a trope. Right. And there's like, there's an entire website dedicated to tropes. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes it can, sometimes it can be good, but other times like people just treat tropes as cliches. It's just like, but if if you're if you're gardening instead of being an architect it, it feels it it feels like it's not so much a cliche as this is something that legitimately manifests um, yeah that that's the right word manifest yeah i i i like manifestation writing over over the architectural approach definitely <clears throat> Okay, uh, 12. 12 was the, the synthetic question. Of, What's the title? Uh, let's see. I, I can just swipe over real quick. Serendipity. Serendipity. Now, the reason I said synthetic question is because you're going back and forth thinking like where's the where's where are the lines oh yeah they're they're growing increasingly blurry and then and then that grows in in the metaphors that you're building and 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 then in the transference mm -hmm. with the hand yeah it 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 blurs the line so much there is no separation yeah, like literally. Yeah. I get what chapter did you say that was thirteen or twelve? Uh twelve. Yeah, Sarah like at that point, at that point, what rails I had were gone off of. And virtually the, oh, rest, yeah. of the, book, <laughs> yeah. the rest of the book is off the rails at breakneck speed, like flying down the side of a mountain. And then eventually you hit a wall and it's all over and and then he's like i don't even know what was real and then mm -hmm. and because that's sort of you'll hear that refrain several times in the book what is real what is real what is real um karen asks kyle what is real you know kyle asks himself what is real karen asks herself what is real because like they're trying to figure out what's real what what is reality what is the purpose they're trying to determine why why do anything? You know, what, what draws someone out of a nihilistic pointlessness? And you have to have a reason. And, and that was kind of one of the issues in dealing with Fish when he was, you know, saying, you know, he even says nothing matters. 
and he and he he starts questioning reality by by bringing in the way photons are either breaking time space or math you know something in it is a lie you know so he's mm -hmm. he's using that as as leverage to get under reality and say you know nothing's nothing's real anyways therefore i don't have to adhere to morality like his whole his whole in, in in saying that there's one lie, he's ignoring all all truths. Right. This is like, like how he, you live like that. <laughs> he's purposely destroying truth so that he's completely justified in doing the, the horrible things that he's doing. Like, mm. like in the chapter Yellow, like Yellow is a hard chapter to write, you know, because of the what, what's coming down the pipe. And when they're yeah. running away from the the dead child who's who's in mm. the you know fish is doing some bad shit so yeah in order to be able to do that you have to build mechanisms of justification that that allow you to bypass your your moral presuppositions and get into pure the pure rational the utilitarian pure rational that says you know, it goes to the trolley, the trolley question of how many people am I willing to kill to get what I want to get? Like he literally, he's, he's built a justification machine for that. And um, I, I and delineate it, it later. It fights itself because he's, he's talking about, I don't, he's like, I'm above morals, but he keeps trying to justify it. So well, why do you need yes. to justify anything if you don't have any morals? <laughs> <laughs> exactly because it, it's an inescapable cycle but people like to think that they're escaping it and it, it's 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 funny to watch like i have conversations a lot with uh this guy this friend of mine online um and he's a lawyer so he's good at arguing so it's fun and um mm. like it was just hilarious to me because i like to throw people's crutches in their face and one of his <laughs> one of his crutches is that he is an atheist and he knows a thousand percent that god does not exist there is there is nothing like that we are just you know machines moving through this blah 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 blah. so th so that's his crutch that's his religious crutch as long as he holds on to this he can dismiss anything that threatens his foundations mm -hmm. and uh so we were arguing over uh, political stuff honestly and and he was trying to tell me about uh the moral whatever that this guy and because this was immoral therefore blah 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 and then uh so i used uh the pragmatic argument of how morality is forms like laws and how it's a consensus that that ebbs over time and so so because he was mad that people weren't adhering to his moral presuppositions about what how trump should act and i'm like well their morals have shifted because you know morals are you know nothing but this consensus consensus thing that shift and so public opinion is a representation of morals and therefore mm -hmm. and then so he started trying to tell me about um objective right and wrong uh and like there's an absolute and and so i come back to him i was like oh well, now you sound like a christian and that <laughs> pissed him off that pissed him off so bad because he wants to be right and he's like, give me my crutch back. No, no. And, and I'm like, well, and then so, and 
he knows not to battle me on philosophical grounds. So he just kept dismissing like, well, if you don't believe in right and wrong, I guess this conversation is over because I, I pulled the rug out from under him because he wants to say that there's, you know, absolute moral authority. And I'm like, well, where does it come from? Objective reality. I'm like, what does that mean? How are you going to look at a couch? You know, that couch understands morality. It's, it's freaking stupid. But anyways, huge digression. Oh man. Good digression though. It's just fun. It's fun to pick on him. The, Okay, so here's what I wrote after after twelve. I was, I after twelve. I was well at you know after after six. I was interested. After yeah, after twelve, I was fully invested because that posed another question. Um, of what is real? <laughs> so this is why I think that 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 the folks that you've had read this power through it because you have done three hooks in a row accelerationist <laughs> you did you did the interest hook of wait what happened to casey and the second hook the second hook is telling you what happened to casey and you're like oh but now what what's going what's going to what's going to happen after that and then you've got the synthetic thing and that's another question and it's it's questions that are simultaneously being answered and asked, and it just keeps going. Yeah. So, so it's like you said, accelerating. And the but the last chapter. Um, chapter twenty, like the last last one. The last chapter. Okay. Yeah, because like like I said, I was you you'd done three hooks in a row, and I was fully invested. I was like, okay, now I want to know what's going on here, mm -hmm. and. Um, I said the last chapter holds a very balanced line of good and bad feelings. Kind of like the, the flat line uh, that Karen had while she was in that machine. Hmm. Um, and then just like uh, just like at the end of her life, the story uh, leaves a sudden or the the story just like the end of her life when they when they they do the they they look at her graph mm -hmm. it suddenly it suddenly has an ecstatic jump yeah so does the story it's flat and then an ecstatic jump right at the end on the last line <laughs> <laughs> yeah the very last line is like every every person who I've I've been present for the reading of the book and and like they'll get to the the last line of the last chapter and they immediately turn to me and said say something like what happened or is she this is she that or the most common one is uh i need a book too <laughs> to answer the questions like i've uh I've had several people want, um, what do you call a book that comes out? A, a sequel. A se yeah, a sequel. Uh, what, your book? No, here. Uh, this one. Oh. Oh. So there are more questions. 
So dad being a pastor, he likes his alliterating triplets. Uh, okay. So he, he came up with, because uh, I said, had said those, those three chapters had invested me in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so it, it said, uh, interested, intrigued, invested. Yeah. <laughs> the alliteration. See, I, yeah, I, I, and that's, that's what happened in order. <laughs> I see where you get your um, eye for alliteration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grow, growing up in, in church with, with, with him doing that, yeah, I, I, alliteration became a habit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. There's, um, so there's a ton of, how would you put it, like religious imagery almost inverted in the book, but not necessarily mm-hmm. in a negative way. Just, you're, you're right back to my old video. <laughs> yeah. Is, the inversion. Inversion, inversion doesn't necessarily mean evil. Right. And, and. The, the inversion and whenever I think about the inversion because it, it's it's I don't want to say tongue-in-cheek mm. I need a term for it's re, I remove the pressure of all the historical context of these symbols and present them in more of a a somewhat modernized stripped down fresher version that You're recontextualizing. Are, yeah, they're easier to, to digest. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like mm-hmm. if You're you putting go, it into a into vernacular so yeah. people can vernacular. can read it properly. And and at the same time, because you remember, like I consider it like bridging. Uh, it's a book mm-hmm. that can bridge in people who have a predisposition to not believe in any of the old stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so and when when Fish is laughing about KC as she screams out her threnody up on the, the mechanized crucifixion, and he laughs and says, uh, I think I shall call this the last abstraction of Christ. And then he calls himself a Serrano, uh, and like he's going to make art out of it. And Serrano is the guy who made Piss Christ, where he just he put a crucifix in a jar and peed in it for a month. And then took a picture of it and it's art. It's like, what in the hell is this crap? Like, um, so, so it's sort of like, like it's happening. And at the same time, it's getting Serranoized. I don't know. I don't really know the term for it where it's like, it's taking away its power to, to reveal like the purity underneath it. You know what I mean? It's, it's simultaneously, uh, what was those terms you used? Sublimation and ablimation. It's 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 pulling the meaning out of it at the same time it's raising it up. It's... Transfiguration is that when something gets raised up? Yes. Um, yeah. That that well. Uh, I, I don't know. No, that's well that's enough. when that's I no no it's it's not raised up that's that's ascension um, ascension to tra- a higher higher level yeah Tran- transfiguration uh is well it's literally a transformation it's a metamorphosis of right. 
but it's towards a good usually because <clears throat> that's on uh, in the transfiguration um, when Jesus turned around and they saw him he was glowing <laughs> yeah I I kind of hang a hat on it at one point the concept that I'm working with because like Ahmed told Mario at the end of chapter three um, after he crossed himself uh, and was very confused by the thing. And he says, I've got God, you've got religion. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why he's explaining why he could deal with the situation better because, you know, Mario is, is the quintessential like half-ass Christian type that I was talking about earlier, where it's like, I know more about your book than you. And, and once again, that's something else that gets, you know, delineated when Ahmed tells Mario knowingly that the poor will be with us always. And Mario, he knows what he's saying. He says a wise man once said, but he's decontextualized yeah. it. So Mario doesn't know what he's saying. If he had put it in the context of who said it, Mario would have handled it differently. But Mario being caught up in the politics of what he wants, because they were talking about UBI at the time. And, and he, he wants he made it, he, he said oh that sounds like buddhist crap yeah yeah hippie bullshit or something like that because yeah. he because he wants to justify his his belief in ubi yeah and um so that that's one aspect of it and then later on when mario is whitney listening witnessing through the blast glass um kc spread across the mechanized cross and, and having her her body decomposed he, he stops and decomposed. here yeah, he's he's just like, like he he wants to cross himself to like like kind of like distance himself or or help himself or, deal with what's going on here, but he can't move past here. He can't move past his brain. Yeah, because he's he's it's it's been overthought at this point. He doesn't know what he, he's stuck in his brain, and and then that's when when Ahmed says, you know, he takes he disconnects the symbol away from the meaning and and like so it goes into the idea that symbols are kind of like language it goes back into the nesting of language earlier you know where it's like the words they have no meaning except for the way you contextualize them metaphorically in your sentence and whatever you're saying and that's the same thing you know for this for the symbology of what's going on in the cross right there and because for him it was destroying something and he didn't understand it. And so Ahmed basically, what would you say? He he took the, the wind out of the sails of the ship that was of Mario that was getting sailed into a, a rock, an iceberg or rock or something. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, they're just symbols and you can use them for good or for evil. Mm. And because... Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of metaphors in 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 that, um, because that it's something that it bugs the heck out of me. It's like you can you you can literally use anything both ways. Yeah. Like I I could I could use you know I could use wax wrong. My wife or just right. handed me a puppy. Oh my goodness. It's a uh, Anatolian Shepherd, but this one's all white. Is this is this see it's got the bunny. Is this Alexa's? No, that's the people. Sorry, I didn't mean to click on it. 
I don't think he clicked anything. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we got it. We got how many? Seven? Nine. Nine puppies. Nine. I'm trying to show you the, the face. See the browning coming in? He's sable. Yeah, the sable. And that's the girl or the boy? It should be the girl. Yeah. No penis. <laughs> Did you hear her? <laughs> no. What? She said no penis. <laughs> she was trying to determine if it was male or female. Yeah. That's 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 how you determine. But I guess we should ask the puppies pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> They're babies. Yeah. My daughter named him Versace. Versace. Well, last time we had an all, this is like the second litter from this mom and dad. Um, mm. And we had an all white one and she loved it and she named it bougie. So she wanted to stay in the theme of, of bougie-ness. So she named him Versace. <laughs> just, I don't know, just silly, silly naming mechanism or uh, not mechanisms. Yeah, the people who bought bougie kept his name and I don't think they knew what it meant. To be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was uh, Well, I guess I, I guess, you know, uncontextualized bougie sounds like a dog name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. realize it's short for bourgeoisie, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's like boxer. Uh, it's like he doesn't have hands, he's not gonna be boxing. Just so yeah. like a dog's name. We were we were deep into the analysis of the metaphors going on towards the end of the book. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah I was talking about how how literally anything can be used wrong. Oh yeah, anything exactly like yeah. tool symbols are ultimately they get turned into tools. Mm -hmm. Now, like that's what I was talking about when like everything was stripped away and you could kind of view. The, the the purity at the heart of the symbol like what it's supposed to be once you've pulled out pulled off all the the scrap metal that's accumulated on it over the years to portray it as what they want it to be and then in all that stripped away and then you're like this is what it actually is and and like one of those one of the ideas and that is i remember growing up i felt like okay okay this is actually a joke in south park okay Okay. And, and it works out great because I had this theory before South Park ever made this joke. And this is, and this is an example of a symbol being used improperly. And anyways, in the South Park, Cartman takes old Barry White music, takes out every place where Barry says baby and replaces it with Jesus and re releases it as Christian music. And, and the idea is because it's Christian music. It has a, a set audience that will buy it because it's, it's Christian. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it has an automatic audience. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's an example of the, the, the symbol being like accreting other stuff and being used like exploitatively. And ultimately, the, go ahead. The, um so recently i uh, did you have you seen Peugeot's stuff recently give me um, an idea he uh he talked to uh 
he actually he talked to another writer. Oh yes, and, I did. I listened to that. Yeah, on Rocky on metal. Yes, the symbology yeah. of or no no no, atrop atropo. I can't say this word. Atropomorph. The the thing where Halloween, where you use evil yeah, to scare away scaring away, away the dark spirits. That gargoyles. Kind of idea. Yeah. Musical gargoyles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The so the um, that turned me on to Striper. I was like, I didn't know about Striper. <laughs> I had no idea. That's and, hilarious. And so I'm looking up Striper, and I look over to the side, and there's a Razor Fist video. About Striper? Like, about Striper. I was just like, Razor covered Striper? Okay. Like it's a uh, synchronicity. Yeah, so I so I, I watched that, and, um, and I started listening to the music, and the I, I think and I, you and I, they grew on you, huh? Well, I, they're great, but the the I've I've got like uh, what? Let's see. Of their entire thing, I've got like ten songs that I like because I systematically went through their albums. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't. But, I don't know any Striper. That's before my time. Aren't they like an '80s hair band or something? Uh, kinda, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but the the um, the I two only two of their only two of their. Uh, songs i would categorize listen listen to over and over again hmm. no you they're they're all christian outside of the, like the weird love ballads that yeah were kind of out of place but the and he the, he literally he said that razor said that he said if they replaced if they replaced uh god with the devil and jesus with baby they would have been a, uh, they would have been the most popular band right. of their of their time. But instead, they went with, they went with their their faith, right? And and which it, ostracized them in the milieu because everyone was like, Satan is everything. Ah. Well, on, on they, oh man, they, that that part where um, Rockio, the writer guy. He was talking about this band that he can't remember the name of, and and I don't know. I I don't really know this this story, but it cracked me up hmm. because it I I know this crap is true. Um, they they wanted to know how better to blaspheme about God, so they went and studied, <laughs> and converted. I cracked up so bad. Um, that, that's that's that sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> Because there's this, uh, I used to, when I was younger, I used to listen to, to Deicide a lot. And Deicide, you know, a deity and then side means to kill. Like, so obviously they have their, their, yeah, whatever. They wear it on their sleeve. And so I just remember, like when I was really young, like I was, I was, I was big into Satan and all that stuff, just like your typical rebellious child and and like you didn't Edgy know teenager. yeah and it it did didn't mean anything to you and then uh, i was probably still in my teens like all this stuff 
transitioned really fast before I hit my twenties. Uh, mm-hmm. I decided, you know, I was like, well, I didn't believe in any of it. I was atheist. And so therefore Satan music was silly to me too. I was like, oh, okay, you guys are just, you know, inverted Christians. Y'all are, yeah. y'all are worshiping the same twin deities of what well, and the upside down people. cross things like yeah. they have no idea what that means yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's just like that's that's not evil that's just how how uh, uh, someone else was crucified <laughs> yeah and well, it was because he wanted to honor 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 right Jesus. he said i can't be crucified the same way he was just turn me upside down yeah and so it's exactly and and so you'll have these these like you'll still see it today. Like there's this one band called like uh, Demu Borgia or something like that. And I just heard one song of theirs. And uh, I remember thinking, eh, you know, eh, I'll look at it. And then, so I, I, I pulled up some images of him and he's like in like this lavish borderline homoerotic costume with a gigantic cross necklace hanging inverted on his chest. And, and I'm just like, God, what are you, 14? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just Peter. I can't take it seriously when I see it. But anyways, yeah. back, back to Deicide, they, uh, I remember I was, I was reading about him. I was like, you know, what in the hell? Why are they, you know, this guy's like 40s now or something. Why is he still Satan music? And so they're mm. talking about why they sing about this. And they're like, you know, they, they do it just to blaspheme against christianity because they don't believe in it and they're they're technically atheists and i'm like but your whole life is about fighting if you're fighting it like don't you realize you're subservient to it yeah (laughs) this is the argument that i've had it's just like the anti like an anti-theist is not a true atheist yeah because you you wouldn't care you wouldn't (laughs) You wouldn't care. You'd just be going about your life. Yeah, it 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 is always always weird to me when. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, in the later chapters, stripping symbology down to its cores, and allowing it to, I think, be reclothed. You know, like, cause, cause everything had, had, there was so much accretion of even right down to, to, to Satanist wearing inverted crosses, you know, that's associated with the cross. Now that, that has superseded Peter in yeah. for the average, you know, dipshit trying to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a part of it now. And then, so when you see, KC up on the cross being stripped of her humanity in the in a very literal sense and being reclosed with synthetics well even even that it wasn't it wasn't fully um it wasn't fully a crucifixion because you had put it into a vitruvian yeah it, it yeah it's not a full it's not a full crucifixion and then she becomes, for all intents and purposes, the devil of the story. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because, and this is what's crazy, because a lot of this stuff, I did not know it when I wrote it. Like She's a constructed Satan. She's a constructed Satan. It, but there's, there's, 
like a lot of this weird symbology that I discovered after writing this, it blows my mind because I didn't know it at the time. But mm -hmm. I, I watched Peugeot's video on the symbolism of 666 and how 666 be comes to mean trying to fit everything precisely into a category. And like, so it becomes a, a, a stultifying tyranny that becomes so rigid that it must collapse. Like mm -hmm. that, that's what 666 represents. Well, the Kinju, when it crawls down off the cross and basically becomes, uh, you know, the demon, it starts, it assimilates Barry right away. And then like their fear is that this will never stop. It's going to assimilate everything, you know? And, and so it literally became 666 right there. It's like this mindless beast is going to assimilate everything mm -hmm. into the, the perfect order of its body. Well, perfect in its mind. Um, well, the with 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 such order comes comes dualisms because there's always yeah. a contradiction at the at the margin. But the the um, the thing that I've been running into since since Peterson mm -hmm. is I keep running into those situations of why can't it be both and. Uh, and uh, that was when I brought up the, the straight spring. But uh -huh. the uh, I was looking for my Kindle because I wanted to be able to read some some digital books uh, on a trip. But uh, I came across this in the in the uh, what's it say? Recapture the Wesley visions. The Wesleys. Yeah, the the Wesley brothers that. They have a, a they people kind of try to reduce their theology down to oh it's all grace. Mm -hmm. It's like well that that's not that's not the Reduction. that's not their mission. That what they were trying to do is they were trying to. I uh, think reductionism. It might be that one of the most destructive things with information that humans do mm -hmm. now, now reductionism functions. It, 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 it becomes a thing because it's impossible to deal with combinatorial combinatorial explosion, which goes back yeah. to the eye the idea of belief. You believe something that hasn't been disproven because it's impossible to prove it. Right mm -hmm. now, the problem with reductionism is it becomes this weird codification where you think you know everything because you cut, you cut everything away that doesn't fit and you think that you've reduced it to an absolute. And it's like, no, you've abstracted the hell out of so much stuff. Like, like for instance, you, you see a graph that tracks the movement of something over X amount of years, right? But if you extract, you take that line out and you repopulate in the dots, it's like there's like this haze of dots all over the place, massive outliers over here, over here. And it's like, yeah. and then they take the average of them and draw a line through it. And you're like, that is not what happened. That line, yeah. that line is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that, that line is not what actually goes on in the world. Right. And, and that <laughs> reductive, you know, propensity in humans, it, it works in certain cases, but. Mm -hmm. When when you you take a reductive point of data, 
out of this field of dots and correlate it with another point out of another field of dots and then you build a model and algorithmically project the future out of reductionism it's like no freaking wonder you guys can't figure anything out like yeah. no, nothing 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 adds up there was a there was this, uh, I can't remember what it's called right now, and, and it happened, I think, in the 80s. I've been reading lots of Nassim Taleb, so yeah. I get, I get his, his, his way of thinking really well, but his individual examples, I can't ever remember the names of shit, but he, there was this program where these people, once it's reductive programming of data mining, and they, they reduced the data, all this stuff, and they built a projective model, and they, it was going to be the the model that was the end of going bust, you know, boom and bust in the in the economic cycle. And all these people adhered to it, and it was it heralded one of the worst crashes where more money was lost in a single day than any other in, in yeah. the history of uh, crashes. You know, so reduct reductivism is terrible <laughs> when abused yeah the, there's you, there's it, it, it comes to the tool analogy again mm -hmm. it, it can be it can be used properly or it can be abused the the abuse tends to happen when you start to do reduction and loss of context if you keep reduction within context people know where to go Right. If you take reduction out of context, suddenly it just becomes a trope. Re and reductionism is the act of removing context, though. No, it, well, okay, yes, yes, and and no. It's I, I'm trying to I'm trying to to do to do the Wesley thing. It's it's both and. Um, yeah. The it because you if if you if you re, if you reduce it. If you do, if you reduce something uh, to to an easier digestible thing, while still citing the original, mm -hmm. it 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 can cause growth. That's that's why a, a lot of the stuff with with Peterson if, is growing. If you're using Where it, if you if like say a university and you don't cite, suddenly you've just got information and it's it's a statement. Right. It's, it's got, it's got to tie back to it. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of a way to put it like great example. Mm -hmm. That's really weird. <laughs> like when I leave myself notes, like if I'm, if I'm at the gym or I'm on a treadmill or doing something where I can't sit down and, and put the entire digestion of my thought, mm -hmm. I'll write something that will capture the, the, the completeness of my thought in a reductive way. And I, have, I had this note that I wrote down in my phone that literally said, Panda Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? Exactly, because you, you can never extract the thoughts out of, out of that short thing unless you're me, because it was so off the wall that I, I would remember it. And it and it, oh had, it had to do with with the flow the, the 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 way people perceive Darwinism as functioning versus actuality, and along mm. with a lot of other things. Like people have this this view of time 
and, and evolution, and I use evolution very loosely for everything, evolution of ideas, the evolution of cars, you know, not just animals, mm -hmm. but it's the idea that it, that it, if evolved, it must've been the right answer. You know what I mean? Like people have this perception that. Yeah. It, 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 that time where they're slowly. disregarding any chance. Right. They're, yeah. well, well, that's the thing that they think that chance is, is the selecting God. You know what I mean? It's like some things happened and yeah, through, but chance through can't chance. Select. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. There, there's all these misperceptions. It's so it's like, like chance produced it, produced it, produced these things. And then uh, survival of the fittest killed off these, mm -hmm. but it also produced the panda, which is a giant bear that lives off only bamboo. Yeah. That was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so Fail. is the koala. Yeah. Which, which is the same thing, only it lives in the tree it tries to eat. And it right. would be in the same tree for, for the majority of its life. It's like, why? And you can't, you cannot convince me that nature was like, all right, I got a good one. <laughs> the sloth. Okay, look out. Look out. No, it, and, All and, these bear-like creatures. Yeah, they're. That, that are useless. Yes. So, so you have these things that, that are maladapted, but they got lucky. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and so it just so happened. And then, and then there's also the idea that, you know, ha people have the perception of Darwinism moving in like this slow, exacting line. Remember, mm -hmm. like, like here's the dot field and then here's the line that tracks through it. Like they think the line tracking through it is reality, but there's yeah. a massive dot field of what actually happened and, and something might evolve in a, in a great leap and they don't, they can't track it, you know? And it's like, we well, I've, I've, I digress to the point. It's, that's the, that's about. the Cambrian explosion. Right. Is, is like, so, like where, where did all of this come from? Right. And there, we have nothing to explain. This is a giant explosion of things that came out of one worm. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we like a, a, applying the idea of Darwinism, the idea of survival of the fittest, the mm -hmm. thing that excels and rises to the top is the thing that is most fitted for dealing with the environment. That's, that's sort of the, 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 the idea, the reductive idea of it. And so then therefore the, the person who rises to the top of the political spectrum is the one best suited for it because you have, you know, the, the invisible hand of the market of popular opinion uh, selecting him. Right. Well, mm. then how do you explain Hitler? You know, it's like, it doesn't yeah. work. So you got pandas and you have Hitler's two things that were selected by their environment that were not good adaptations for it. Yeah. That, that were, that were terrible adaptations. That were terrible adaptations the, for it. I think, I think, uh, I think we can segue this. Um, the, there's, uh, we, we didn't record our, uh, our conversation that got fantastic because like, I don't, I really wish we had because re restating what we had said uh, 
seems like like repetition to us but when you were going through the line stuff i'm just and and the you know and what what actually happens you know i and i'm and i went to the wesley thing and the bad adaptations and it's like you were it, it went back to to the straight spring and the cones of right of possibility so um why don't you start with the cones? The cones of possibility, because they like here's here's you would have to go to the outside of the cone. This this will be explained after you explain the cones for anybody watching this. You'd yeah. have to be on the outside of the cone the entire time to get Panda Hitler. Yes. <laughs> that's precisely that's precisely it. Okay. Yeah. The the cones. It 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 the dream happened from the the second book I was writing and whenever I get deep into a, a book it starts manifesting crazy dreams and uh the dream I had was I was uh standing like not standing like suspended in in some sort of abyss whatever and I'm mm -hmm. standing there like the the Vitruvian man and behind me is a cone and it, it's it's dark in coloration and it terminates like between my uh, shoulder blades and in, in the middle of my back, I guess roughly where the heart would be is where it terminates. And within the, within the cone, you see all the histories, all the existences, all the lives, all the adaptations, all the, the events, everything that, that culminated to, to produce me exactly. You know, mm -hmm. so you have, um, the evolution of from from animals into this and and humans and you know the choices made and the the mating partners that 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 produced this whatever that moved on and then like you know inventions and and history just it, it i guess you could say it was a visualization of history and everything that you can imagine coming to a point mm -hmm. and then that's that's me i'm the product of this and then erupting from my chest was a, a white cone and and it was unpopulated and it represented yeah. potential and the potential is necessarily limited by my history right and, and it's like an hourglass and it passes through me and the decisions that I make within the cone of possibility determine how the cone of history is built and then the mm -hmm. cone of history necessarily limits the cone of possibility so yeah. if you make several bad decisions your your graph is going down and therefore you can never aim as high as you could previously because you have destroyed a certain amount of your potential mm -hmm. and every every moment that passes you're deter you're destroying a certain amount of potential but you're narrowing and warping the cone right as you pass through it so if you if you use your potential properly and you ascend into the cone, you're moving towards a better place. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're wasting your potential, you're moving down through the cone. And then. Could you, could you give me uh, sharing uh, uh, permissions? Cause I, I want to, well, it's, it's on our, you could probably share it on yours. It's on our, 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 our chat in, in Twitter, uh, the 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 visualization of the cones intersecting. The video? No, the the picture of. Um, 
because I got Twitter uh, open. The Geyer? Is, it, is that how you pronounce Gyre, it? Gyre, Gyre. Gyre, yeah. Yeah, let me see if I can rotate my phone. Because that it's, yeah, it's a visual. Is that coming through? Yeah, it's a visual representation of, you know, you can even see it squiggling. Yeah. It's a visual representation of what we're, what we're talking about from the side. Uh, if, if you imagine it three-dimensional, it's got a lot more potential to it, but this is just a picture. So, right. but that segues into what we were talking, what, what my part of that conversation was, which was the straight spring. Yeah, I like and, the spring a lot. And, uh, if if you want if you want some visual context to these uh, those videos that I shared with you, it's which way is down is uh, features features cones, and he actually he actually has a a, uh, a ribbon that he puts on the cone to show that even a straight line is curving around the cone, and uh, and the straight spring. Uh, came from uh, the the Wesleyan the Wesleyan practice of, of of both and um, that I didn't even know I was doing <laughs> <laughs> and and I was thinking like the the eastern and western concepts of time um, of like western is you it's a straight line it's got a beginning and an end it's like this is all gonna end someday and the, the Eastern is a whole lot of cycling. Yeah. And some, some would say it will continue to cycle forever. Some would say it, it terminates in Nirvana or something. It, it depends well, on- Nirvana who. is not a termination of the cycle. It's escaping the cycle. Yeah, it's a, yeah an escape of the cycle. But it, it, so it depends on who you ask. Right. But, you know, to be a reductionist, reductionistic, um, so it's like a forever cycle and then a, a point A to point B. Right. So it's like, well, why can't it be both? And, yeah. and that, and that didn't, that didn't make sense to me because like, why would I have that thought? But why would I even have that thought? So, well, because I'm trying to reconcile two sides. Like, okay, so how, what could come out of reconciling these two sides? Yeah. Well, so then I, uh, so the concept of the straight spring, uh, you think of a second, okay? And that second, uh, each moment within that second that is similar to the moment before it is a point at which this coil comes back around each time. Yep. And so you, you expand that to a minute and, it's, and you take that and that's all coiled around and an hour, and that's all coiled around, and a, a day, a month, a year. It, it expands entirely, um, and that goes to the video, How the Earth Moves. If you look at how the Earth moves through the universe, Space, yeah. you can see a line of here's the sun, and you draw a line from where the sun is now and where the sun will be. It's a it looks like a straight line. It's like, okay, that's, that's neat and all, but look at the earth 
you draw a line from where the Earth is on that same line with the sun, you've got a coil going around through Coiling space. Around. I was like, oh my gosh. And, and then you had said, who was who, who said it? Who, who said it rhymes? Oh, uh, Mark Twain. Mark Twain. History does not repeat, it rhymes. And I, I heard that and it was like everything, everything made sense because when- Clicked into place. The, the years or, or times in which things seem like it's happened before or it's extremely similar, it's the, no. the coil deja is vu. coming back around. Deja vu. The deja vu that we have in history is, is not the same thing happening. It's the rhyming of the coil right. coming back around to the same point. And it, that's, that's at which the two events are the closest. Because you can, you can trace cyclic events through history that, that are somewhat repetitious because humans, they can only learn so much from, from their history. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's when I, we got into the discussion of um, when I was, uh, it was, might've been on a previous thing, but there was the, the discussion of how uh, the right wing is kind of like a, a, a bad dog owner and the left wing is like an ill-mannered dog running in a circle around them and they and like yeah the right yeah, that's what you said at the end of the last video yeah. they're, they're trying to to march towards a place but you got the other one going squirrel 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 run, running around it, and they create like the cycle so you mm -hmm. have the the cycle of you know martin luther king wanting to be judged by the content of her character and now it's cycled back around to the thing he wanted to escape and people are like we want to mm -hmm. judge you by your immutable characteristics and you know your character doesn't matter we yeah. want uh we want to organize by intersectional values and it's like but that's 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 literally the opposite of what he said <laughs> yeah, you guys you guys have gone full circle mm -hmm. and and but you know even though it's it's cycling you zoom out it's still a straight line yeah yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's why that's, that's, that's why the they spring. When you look at it from the side, it's a line. When you well, look that's at the, it from the front, the it's, this, yeah. it's the circling cycle. That, yeah, that's the that's that's why it's called the straight spring. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's straight because you have have you can look back at it and see it and see distance. But like you said, if you if you turn it, it's like this is how it's described as as God seeing time. Um, is that he sees all of time at the same time. It's like he can see the whole thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, how would that look? Well, you look through a spring, you can a see spring. all the way to the end. <laughs> so the, the, the book itself, uh, to go back to what we were talking about, like the metaphors, like it's really loaded with a lot of mm. symbological metaphors that can be taken a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it, of which I had questions about the tree, but let's, it's, it's very, but let's, let's start at, well, let's I was going to go to the tree. Let's start at Jacob or is it Jacob? What's his name? Kyle. No, uh, the, the guy that dies. Jack. 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 So let's start at Jack's, Jack's like the beginning of, of when he was injected. Explain the, that to me. Cause I, I was lost. Okay. <laughs> Um, cause he was seeing things. He was seeing a lot of things. 
I think, I think one of the most important symbological turns though, is when Jack lost his hand and Kyle went to retrieve his hand and put it in the, in the jar with the, the nano, I mean the, the synthetic blood, he opened the, the compartment on his backpack. Cause remember his, his backpack is an aerodrome for, for little drones. So it's not for carrying stuff. So it only has a small compartment for actual storage. And he goes to put it in there, but it's full of, of Casey's disassembled drone. Because uh, hmm. remember, they, they had collected her, her drone and they were going to use it to track it back to her, find her and kill her because of what she had done in the, in the belly of the centrifugal colony when she opened up her guns on all those homeless people. Yeah. Um, and he pulls the drone material out. So he's basically like, that's the first step of, of forgiveness or something. You know what Dis I mean? Discarding, yeah, discarding the, the event or discarding and, the, the content of the event. Yeah. And, and then he puts Jack's hand in there. But what's even, what was even more interesting is Jack's hand was in the belly of a beast. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it was. was. It, was a, it was a miniature and accidental. When I noticed it, it was like one of those like, you know, mind blown moments. I was like, Kyle rescued his father from the belly of the beast, you know, because Kyle, yeah. Kyle didn't really have a dad, mm. you know. And, and he's got this father figure and yeah. Right. So, so Kyle, you know, rescued his father figure from the belly of a beast. I just thought it was really weird. So he gets it out of there. He puts it in there. And at the same time, he takes the first step in forgiving Karen or KC by, by uh, jettisoning the, the disassembled drone. Yeah. So, so there was that like that. When I found that part, when I was editing and I saw what had happened there, like that was, that was mind blowing for me. And then you're talking about where they're, where they're laying him on the table and he starts seeing Ahmed as a tree. No, the, the tree. Well, I don't know. Did he? Because I was I was very confused as to what was going on. The tree was at the end. The, the when they tree, were rising up through the. The tree is at the end. That's the major. That's a major tree, and but there's also another. Was tree there a, the a reference earlier? Yeah, there's a there's okay. a reference to a tree in like, thirteen, fourteen, or fifteen, where, they have Jack laying on a table, mm -hmm. and he starts hallucinating, and he he looks up at the the thing. Uh oh, our power just went out. All right. Uh, sorry about that. The power went out at Foth's place, so uh, he and I are going to finish that particular conversation at a later date. So tune in for part two pending.